Absolutely. So when I had a job in uh, Silicon Valley driving two and a half or three hours every day, listening to people I've heard on your show, like James Schramko and a lot of the podcasters. That's why I love your podcast and a lot of other ones, because that was my education, literally. Hi, I'm Rand Fishkin from Oz, and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy from ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce the author of the book, Stand Out, a simple and effective online marketing plan for your small business. He's also the founder of the FletcherMethod.com. He's mastered the art of cutting through the cyber noise and zeroing in on the key essentials for business success. He's an online marketing consultant, an educator, and a speaker. I'm delighted to welcome Aaron Fletcher from the FletcherMethod.com. Welcome, Aaron. Great to have you here. Cheers, Ash. Happy New Year. Good to have you, man. Thanks. Same to you, Aaron. Yeah. Happy New Year to you too. So Aaron, let's talk about two of the things that are most interesting at the moment, and that is sales funnels and lead magnets. Now, just for the listeners, if you're not familiar with a sales funnel, it's just essentially automated process where you get somebody interested in you, typically through your content, you get someone interested, you get them to land on what is called a landing page on a website, and then they sign up to your list, and then you end up selling them a product after offering them a lot of value. So there's a lot of noise out there in the world today. There's a lot of rubbish going around. And Aaron, I've seen some of your content, and I really like how you just cut through to the core essentials, and you have some great content around how to create a sales funnel. So would you care sharing your wisdom with our listeners? Yeah, I don't know if it's wisdom, but hopefully some insight here. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll just tell you a little bit about um, the why, because I think if you give people a why, it's more compelling and it, it makes more relevant to their life. Absolutely. So when I had a job in uh, Silicon Valley, driving two and a half or three hours every day, listening to people I've heard on your show, like James Schramko and a lot of the podcasters. That's why I love your podcast and a lot of other ones, because that was my education, literally driving right. in a car, listening to what you couldn't find in any university, which is what really works in business. And I remember listening to Freedom Ocean and I Love mm-hmm. Marketing and a lot of the, the big podcasts that, you know, the first wave of podcasts. Mm-hmm. And as I was trying to figure out how to quit my day job, become an entrepreneur and put all this together, I found myself getting more and more frustrated and confused, right? So I would like, I would hear a podcast about content marketing or blogging or SEO, and I would go and try to implement this stuff, but I wasn't getting results and I wasn't making enough money to quit my job. And it seemed like that's what most entrepreneurs do is they're worried too much about the latest technique, the the latest trick or traffic before they have the platform to put people through. So it's kind of like, it doesn't do any good to write a blog post, even do a podcast or any type of what we call top of the funnel traffic source, right? Uh-huh. Um, at the end of the day, anytime you reach someone that's in your audience, whether it's through direct mail or a live event or a book or a podcast or a blog, that's just traffic. And I don't mean to take the human side away. I'm just saying um, from a business perspective, it's an opportunity to get somebody into your world, right? Uh-huh. Most business owners start there with traffic. They start by, hey, I'm going to start a blog. I'm going to do some social media. I'm going to start a Twitter account. And they're just doing all this busy work, but they're then and months and years go by, they don't make any more money. And is that is that what you kind of see in the space as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And that's what I saw. And then I realized something that went back to my military time when I was a, I was what's called an explosive ordnance disposal technician where I would um, deal with explosives underwater of all things. And I still have all my, all my fingers, but um, we, in the military, you know, obviously things are pretty serious. So you have what's called a standard operating procedure. And I know um, from a lot of business folks from the, from the E-Myth to Peter Drucker to James, James Shramko, a lot of people talk about processes and frameworks. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and I realized, wait a minute, Instead of all this crazy marketing, you know, going to courses and listening to all these different sources, why don't I just distill what you're trying to do into a one-page framework? So I said, okay, well, to build a funnel, to do a webinar, to do, you know, email marketing, if we can take the essence of something and make it so a person can understand it, then they can actually get make progress. Uh-huh. So I know this is a long answer to your question about funnels, but what I realized is if we look at doing the right things in the right order, it's actually very simple. There's only a handful of things that a business owner has to actually accomplish in order to be successful. 
you know, it's kind of like, do they have a good product market fit? Do they know who their customer is? Do they have a message that's compelling that solves their problem? Do they have some kind of signature system or some kind of process that explains their ability to solve that problem, uh -huh. right? And then it's a matter of just saying, okay, what can I give them for free that's going to educate them and solve one of their smaller problems in order to get them into my funnel, in order to get them on the phone with me or to a webinar or whatever's next. And it's really, that's what in our, um, in my experience just works the best is making it very, very simple. Huh. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question. I think you just said, you know, what's in, the importance and, and the background of this, it's that it's not complex. If you just look at stop trying to worry about traffic and getting in front of people, if you have nothing to do to monetize it, if you have no vehicle to leverage that opportunity, you have no business worried about traffic. Right. Okay, well, I just for a few comments there. Something I want to say to the listeners is if you're struggling with finding a way to convert your traffic into paying customers, I've struggled with it for a long time too, so I know how it feels, and it is really, really not easy. And definitely agree with what you're saying, Aaron, where you need to have an offer that converts. Once you get an offer that converts, then worry about driving traffic to it, but don't do it the other way around, which I see a lot of online people, and I myself have done this, is try and get all the traffic and then try and figure out what to do with it. So I think yep. getting very clear on an offer that converts is the first step. To do that, you need to really understand your audience. So take the time to really get to know your audience, get to understand your customers. And I highly recommend one-to-one -one conversations. Make phone calls. It doesn't sound like it's scalable, and it may not be, but there is nothing that beats speaking to people one-to-one -one and getting a real good feeling for where they're at. And yep. once you have that and you understand their pain points and their problems, then you can create the offers and the contents and the sales funnels and everything to eventually yeah. scale. Yeah, let me just add one more thing to that. That's, that's totally the best advice is to stop. Usually the answer for most entrepreneurs, when they say, what should I be doing right now? My first response is stop. It's not, <laughs> It's not. hey, go implement this thing and, and survey funnels and all the latest and greatest terms. It's like, wait a minute, go on an information diet. That's yep. always number one. And literally, no offense, that might even mean podcast just for a little bit. Sure. Because I'm not going to listen to a podcast about anything to do with marketing if I'm only trying to create a lead magnet. In other words, if I'm trying to do a webinar right now because that's the next step in my plan, I'm going to go and maybe buy a course and listen to podcasts on creating webinars. I'm going to get my webinar live and then I'm going to worry about email copy because that's next. And what we do as entrepreneurs is we gather, hey, that looks like a good cheat sheet on this. And oh my gosh, look at this free downloadable report. And we all have a terabyte full of uh, a Dropbox folder right. that we never open, right? Shiny object syndrome, man, I am so prone to that. <laughs> yeah, and then, but to zoom out even further, Ash, to zoom out to the real important point of perspective is this. What strategy as a business owner are you following? You need to have one. It doesn't matter if it's mine, James's, you know, Jeff Walker's, Russell Brunson. It doesn't matter whose strategy you're following, yeah. but you need one strategy and you need to execute that with with ferocity, right? You need to just commit 100% of your, your energy to that because, you know, James and I were having a, a talk. He was here in, in California enjoying some surf here. And, uh -huh. and he said, well, you know, a lot of, you know, courses or membership sites, it's like a grocery store. People can go in and pick what they need. And, um, you know, and kind of if they're looking to solve one problem, they can go find that information. That's really good for intermediate marketers. But for beginners, they don't even, if they, they go to a grocery store and they buy high, high fructose corn syrup, Cheerios and Twinkies because they don't even know how to eat. So what I try to do is say, I want to give, I want to be the dietitian, not just the grocery store. I want to say, here's here's what you need to be doing, and then let's just do it one small baby step at a time. So it's almost, I think, if you're so frustrated, the first step is just go on an information diet, and it's just like you said, like who's my customer? What's one thing I can give them? How do I interject myself into a conversation with them so they start to see that I'm a trusted authority? And then make them an offer to either get on the phone with me or buy something. It's actually, it's, I'm sure it's frustrating for your listeners for me to make it seem this simple. But if I look at from that, I, mean, I have people in my masterminds that yesterday this guy made me want to just like leave the restaurant and like go <laughs> quit my career because he's like, yeah, he goes, I'm spending $115,000 a month on Facebook ads. And I was like, well, how much are you getting? He's like $800,000. And I said per month. And I just said, I quit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but when I broke down that funnel of someone that's doing almost a million dollars a month, it's the same. It's, it's literally the same four steps. 
The difference is he's just better at communicating, like you said, to that customer. He has a better understanding of what the customer's needs and wants and desires are, right? Uh So it's 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 almost like if you go watch boxing or or any kind of sport, it always comes back to the fundamentals. No one says 200 or 300 years or whatever. No one's brought a new punch into boxing, you know. And, and uh-huh. forgive the analogy, I'm a martial artist, but you know, no one's come up with like here's the whizzang punch. You know, it's Absolutely. brand new. No, it's always how well you execute the same five things, right? So instead of trying to go after the next thing, just master the basics. Okay, so that's a really important takeaway. Stop consuming information, and this is as much for me as anybody else listening, and start creating. Actually, even before you start creating, get a really good understanding of your target customer, what their needs are, and think about how you can solve them effectively. So that's a very good introduction to sales funnels and getting clear on on the philosophy behind sales funnels. Could you talk a bit about the importance of a lead magnet and how one should approach creating a lead magnet? One thing that's already obvious from what you're saying is get clear on your customer's pain points, understand what your customer is trying to solve in their life or in their work or whatever it is, whatever problem you're trying to solve, and solve a part of that problem which then leads to buying product that solves the problem in entirety. Yep. So like I do with everything, before I start with lead magnets, I'm just going to zoom out a little bit and then yep. bring it back to lead magnets and okay. forgive forgive the uh, analytical nature. I'm just a total nerd. No, but, that's cool. This is good. This um, is good. You know, so if you know, I'm sure you know of Taki Moore. Um, oh, yeah. I've had him on my show. Episode 30. I'll add it to the show notes. Awesome Australian marketer. He's a mentor of mine. And his one of his mentors, Matt Church, who's another wizard who you should have on your show if you haven't oh yes Um, okay so matt church is the absolute brilliant at make at at helping people articulate their knowledge into sellable intellectual property right like sell your thoughts is the name of his book right thought leaders i think his thought leaders is his brand and taki has totally taken his stuff the next level but instead of looking at just a lead magnet my the biggest breakthrough i've had my business that came from from people like taki was if you can do two things and these are two things you probably haven't heard of and your audience hasn't heard of but and they don't even sound like marketing but they make all the difference in the world one of them is called a value model create a value model which is simply this what is the what is the path that your customer is on in their career so if you're talking about um, someone that might be a doctor or an online marketer or Uh a any you know uh, a coach it doesn't matter there's clearly different levels of coaches there's like a beginner who has no job there's a part-time maybe a six-figure coach and a seven-figure coach you know, that's why Million Dollar Coach is Taki's brand because he, his brand talks about where he's trying, where people are trying to get to. Yeah. It's baked in, right? So no matter what your, re, your audience member's niche is, their customer is on a journey to, throughout their career. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. A value model just says, okay, well, there's four levels of for the, where this person's trying to get. And it has a currency that matters saying like, you know, if I'm trying to, if I, let's say I'm a person trying to lose weight. Uh-huh. Maybe that currency is body fat. If I'm trying to invest, maybe that currency is net worth. Right. If I'm a small business, maybe it's number of leads per month. Uh-huh. And if you can show someone, hey, here's the journey you're on. Where are you right now? Are you on level two? Are you struggling? Are you surviving? Are you thriving? You know, where are you on this on on your journey? It's just a ladder, right? Uh-huh. There's four levels. Where are you right now? And then if you can have what we call a client transformation framework, or Taki calls a signature system. It's simply a one-page drawing of how you can help your customers solve their problem. Uh-huh. So it's not about lead magnets yet. It's about your overall business. If you're a coach or an agency, you're a consultant, what are the steps that you're, you take your customers through to get from their biggest frustration to their, to their biggest goal, right? Uh-huh. And when you do that for somebody, when you say, here's where you are, here's the journey you're on, and here's how I can help you get to the next level, no one's ever communicated with such confidence and clarity, their journey and the path that they're on, their solution. Right. You know, as consultants and coaches and marketers, we talk too much about our stuff. We try to explain. We try to use blogs and content. But, we, but we're all visual creatures. So when I can look and say, wow, there's the seven habits of highly successful people. There's the you know, four-hour body, you know, the, you know, a visual mm-hmm. representation of something. Then... All I tell my students to do is pick out one of those steps and use that as a lead magnet. So, right. for example, I'm helping people with online marketing. And one of my many steps is a website that converts. Uh-huh. I know that that's not the most important part of, of 
a successful sales funnel, but I know that most business owners think their website's important. Uh-huh. In fact, it's actually one of the least important things of marketing. I know it sounds controversial, but the website is actually one of the least important parts of success. Uh-huh. You, you can build a whole business to seven figures and beyond without ever sending anybody to your website. Of course, you'd send them to you know opt-in pages and that kind of thing, but not an yeah. actual online brochure website. But by picking out that one step and giving them a website cheat sheet, I show them, hey, here's how you solve your website problems. And then I stretch the pain gap. And then I say, by the way, it's actually not about your website. That's only yep. one step on your journey. Here yep. is your journey. And then if you opt into this webinar, I'm going to walk you through the exact steps you need to take to double your sales, to lose weight, to be happier, to do whatever you want to do. The lead magnet should, should be something that's incredibly easy to consume, uh-huh. like a cheat sheet, a checklist. Something that implies almost a three-dimensional characteristic, like they feel like they can hold it and touch it. Okay. And and it should be so easy to consume that they feel like it's a no-brainer. There's not even a paradox of choice. It's just a lizard brain thing. Boom. I see it on Facebook. You know, here's the doctor marketing cheat sheet. Here's the weight loss cheat sheet. Here's the single mom's shopping cheat sheet. Whatever your niche is, it's either a toolkit or a cheat sheet that just absolutely seems like desirable, easy to consume. But what happens if you give somebody something so easy to consume, the Dropbox folder, correct? Uh-huh. So in all of marketing, there's two forces you're competing against, friction and engagement. What I mean is you want to make it as easy as possible with, with, with low friction to get people through your funnel, through the steps required to become a customer. But you have to get them engaged. You have to yes. actually have them get to know you and want to know you. Just on that point, Aaron, I wanted to say I interviewed Kevin Rogers recently and I mentioned to him in that podcast, but I said to him, attention is a new currency. And that talks to your point about engagement. You know, if your offer isn't engaging, if you can't engage the audience, you're dead in the water. So the best way to engage today is to have something, as you say, simple and easy to consume. Uh, So that's a great point about engagement. Yep, it is. And I'm glad you brought that up because that dovetails into the second part. So low friction has happened, easy to consume, but for engagement to happen, I have to start a relationship with you, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So here's the one little nuance. If, if I've added anything to the, like you said, giant cacophony of noise out there that's really been different, that's worked really well, is what I call an authority amplifier, which is kind of how to take something like a cheat sheet that's normally going to go in their Dropbox, they're never going to hear about you again, Yep. and how to put yourself in the conversation as if you're on a webinar, as if you were in a room with them. So it sounds silly, but what I, what I have people do is you give somebody a cheat sheet, something really easy, and then you actually, on the thank you page, walk them through it. Now, it sounds really silly. Uh, like, no, it doesn't sound silly at all to me. It sounds brilliant. Yeah, like here's the seven things you need to set up a home video studio. Why would I come on camera and walk you through it? Because it allows me to do three things. It allows me to introduce myself because now we're having a conversation. It allows me to ensure you get the most value out of this simple lead magnet. Uh And the third and most important, it allows me to stretch the gap and show you that what I just covered is only one part of your greater journey. And this next thing is going to get you what you really want, whether that's a webinar or a sales conversation. Yep. And it's, it's just, it's, it's crazy because what most people do is they advertise on Facebook what I call, well, what everybody calls, middle of the funnel content. So in a funnel, you have top of the funnel, lead magnet, middle, that could be a video series, a launch sequence, it could be a webinar. Then you have the bottom of the funnel, the actual shopping cart where they buy stuff, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What most people do is they, they advertise their webinar on Facebook. And what they're doing is they're paying 10 to $20 to get somebody onto a webinar, which is really expensive unless you have crazy conversions. You either hopefully break even or lose money. For some advanced people, that might be a good strategy. But for most people, they need to make a return on investment from their uh-huh. Facebook ads, right? Right. Well, what the cheat sheet strategy does. It allows you to get a lead on Facebook for a dollar or less. Okay. You know, literally if I get lazy, I'll pay a dollar or 30 for leads on Facebook uh-huh. because it's such a high click-through rate. It's so easy to consume that you get a really high conversion rate from that cheat sheet, but then you're able to walk people through it and get them onto a webinar and roughly 50% of those people go to the webinar. So now you're paying somewhere between two and $4 to get somebody onto a webinar. 
Uh-huh. So your marketing is four times more effective on average by using this ultimate lead magnet strategy. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Now, there's a couple of things that I wanted to bring out in what you said that I really, really liked. The first thing was you were talking about how the website isn't the be-all and end-all of marketing. And I completely agree with you. I think the website, and for that matter, the whole online world is a medium of delivering a solution to a customer. And your website is one of those little things within your online toolkit to deliver a solution. But that solution to a customer's problem can be delivered over the phone. It can be delivered in person. Your website is just a way of getting someone into your area of influence, for want of a better term. So... I completely agree that websites are not the be-all and end-all. You know, you could do it through landing pages. You could do it through phone calls, for goodness sakes. So <laughs> so you don't need a website. And I think people get obsessed with a website. A website is a great tool. It's a great calling card. It's a great place to send people to. It It's a shortcut to, uh, you know, conversations. People can consume the information as and when they want. But it is still a tool. It is not the solution in itself. Yep. The second thing I wanted to second is what I really liked what you said about the value map was it's the ultimate form of empathy, isn't it? You're you're showing your customer that you understand the whole journey from start to finish. And when your customer or your prospect says, hey, this guy gets me because he doesn't just get where I'm at right now, but he gets it in the context of my whole journey, then they're much more likely to trust you and to like you and more likely to do business with you. Yep. I think you're you're absolutely right on. And there's a, a wonderful um, recording. If you go to their sales and marketing um, podcast, you know, Taki and James. Yep. I've listened to all of them. <laughs> yep. The episode on the value model is exactly what I'm – so, again, full attribution. That piece of my system is a 1,000% Taki, and it's wonderful. Now – there's another piece that ties into this. Um, mm-hmm. What you just said that's very, very, I think, important to underscore for your listeners is this. Delivery systems will always change. We used to use, Dan Kennedy would use direct mail. Before that, there was maybe, you know, stone tablets. Mm-hmm. I know there used to be people would market over fax machines, like literally. Yep. Um, and then there is, you know, MySpace, and then there's Facebook, and then there's now people are talking about, you know, Snapchat and and all these different, you know, um, Meerkat and all these different platforms. It doesn't matter. Mm. If you have poor messaging, the delivery system is not where to focus. So people go and buy the latest Gary Vaynerchuk and all the different social platforms, latest Gary Vaynerchuk book, or, the, or they buy a course on Facebook and they, they're going after likes and all these things. Well, if they don't have a good message and a good strategy, the delivery system will never solve your problem. Right, right, exactly. You could literally exhaust yourself climbing up the wrong mountain. And that brings me to the second point is what these things are a delivery mechanism for is solid messaging. That's what you said and that's what James often talks about, right? Uh The core of all this stuff, of all your marketing, I think the most important thing a small business owner, entrepreneur could do is really nail their value proposition, their USP, right? Uh If I was to ask, you know, one of your members that's, you know, a coach or a consultant, you know, what's your USP? What If I was at a cocktail party with you or a coffee house oh. and I said, what do you do for a living? They'd say, I'm a marketing consultant. Or they'd say, oh. I'm a physician. I'm a doctor. I'm a bankruptcy lawyer. And what they're missing is the transformation. They're missing the why and they're missing metrics in a timeline. So every marketing message has to have three things. It has to have a metric and a timeline and a really transformational outcome. It has to have the why. Let me give you let me give an example. If I was to talk to give me a give me a business niche. I don't even want to um let's just play jazz here. Give me any kind of business type. Okay. Let's look at a shoe shop. Okay. So a shoe shop that sells normal, you know, leather footwear to families, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. So if you ask that shoe shop owner, what do you do for a living? They would say, I sell footwear, I sell shoes. Uh-huh. Right? Well, this goes back to the implication, the why. Jay Abraham had a saying in his book, and Jay was also a mentor of mine, that says, people aren't going to a hardware store to buy a nail. They're trying to buy a hole in the wall. Right. Right? And I always thought about it and thought about it. I said, no, that's half the story. Yeah. They're trying to buy a nail so they can put a hole in the wall. Right. To build a playhouse, for, to be a hero to their son or daughter. Yep. So they're going to the store to be a hero to their son or daughter, not for the hole in the wall. So the, so the feature is the nail, the benefits, the hole in the wall, but the implication, the why, uh-huh. is to be a hero. So if I'm going to shop for footwear, I'm not going there to buy shoes uh-huh. because if I, if I could like not step on sharp things or, or if I can get a, pass a job interview or 
right. marry, marry the woman of my dreams barefoot, yeah. I would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I hear what you're saying. So buying the shoes is the problem that the shoes are solving is either comfort or safety or looking better. It's not about the shoes. It's about what the shoe delivers to the customer. Yes. So they can look and feel more successful and happy and mm-hmm. live a more enriched life. Mm-hmm. And then you do the and then you do the timeline. Like say the shoe say this the shoe shop is professional shoes. You know, mm-hmm. you help people increase their income. You help people double their confidence level. There's a metric there. Because mm-hmm. nobody sells anything that shouldn't have a metric, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if you if, if you're doing that, then why be in business? Like even someone who does art, they should double the romance of their couples that put the art in their room. If someone's right. I can't think of a product that shouldn't have a metric that it solves. Does it double your hydration or your income or your speed or your time or your creativity like an iMac here? I mean, so you, there has to have a metric. Yep. And then a timeline. That's what a lot of people do. When I work with business owners, I say, give me your USP. They say, I greatly increase people's business growth. I'm like, well, what if that takes 11 years? <laughs> but, if, but if I can say, I double your flow of leads in 30 days, right? Mm-hmm. I help you get twice as many customers in 90 yep. days. Yep. I help you lose six pounds in 60 days without changing what you eat, right? Yep. So it's specific and it's time-bound. And it's focused on the outcome. So you can marry the person of your dreams, get the job of your dreams, become a professional athlete. Because no one does anything if it's not going to make them happier or avoid extreme amounts of pain. Okay. Right? So industries that are closer to pain or extreme happiness do a lot better. So if you have a quote-unquote boring industry like dry cleaning – Yep. You have to talk more about the non-commoditized part of what you do. You you help people look and feel more beautiful, right? Uh-huh. So that message, the only reason I took that segue is because none of the things like lead magnets and funnels and platforms are, are going to be effective if they can't clearly communicate. I mean, when you tell someone what you do for a living using that formula, they should say, wow, how do you do that, right? right. So the last thing you want to do is see somebody at a business event and they go, I'm a business lawyer, and that's, no, that's not going to work. Right. And just to underscore your point about the medium and the medium not being the critical thing, it's a means to itself. When I interviewed Kevin Rogers, I've interviewed him twice now, and he actually said uh, the first time he tried to get Dan Kennedy to go to dinner and they had to do it via fax. (laughs) So so Dan Kennedy himself, one of the biggest marketers in the world or biggest names in marketing, doesn't really use email a lot. (laughs) He uses fax. Good for him, right? That just drives the point home, doesn't it? Absolutely. There's a bigger kind of framework there. I call this the one-page funnel. It's real simple. It's like if you simply look at the steps you're trying to get your customers to go through, what are the channels you should be using to do that? And you should use as many as possible. So most people use email or they'll use Facebook ads, but maybe you should use direct mail. Maybe you should use a sales team, a phone call. Maybe you should use retargeting. So people get so confused in the technical part of all this stuff. If you just take one piece of paper and say, what are the steps someone has to go through to go from a stranger to a customer? Yeah. And, and how can I use all these different channels for that, for that just to get them to take that next baby step? So if somebody opts in for a webinar but doesn't show up, how can I use retargeting ads, email, maybe a phone call if they're you know, valuable enough lead, maybe a piece of direct mail to get them just to show up. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's all about just that next little teeny baby step and how you can use all those things. So you're absolutely right. Okay. Let's move into the challenges section. So you've worked with quite a few people on developing sales funnels. So what are the biggest challenges you've seen? Something that's already obvious from our conversation so far is people consuming way too much information, right? So, you know, the biggest challenge is stop, stop consuming information. And I'm saying this as much to myself as anyone else. And just start working with your customer, understanding your customer and seeing how you can solve their problem. Any other big challenges you've come across that common challenges you've seen people face? Yeah, there's buckets. And I, I think I, you know, using the ask formula and a lot of other kind of survey methodologies to, you know, it's important to say, okay, well, what are the main categorizations that we can address here? What are the ones that we don't want to talk about? For example, some business owners are challenged because they think they should outsource all their marketing. That's, you know, uh-huh. that's when they find a level of success and they go, someone else handles that. And I say that's a just a cardinal sin because it's your your P&L and your marketing are way too critical to your success and your reputation and your livelihood and for many people for their whole team to sit there and outsource because uh-huh. you should outsource 100% of the tasks 
but zero of the strategy unless you have a coach to help you, right? Right. So that's that's bucket one is just pushing it off and thinking, hey, you know, I'm I'm in business to be a technician, as the emails would say, and I'm just going to hire someone. Then they they find themselves firing agencies. I used to be in the online marketing and SEO agency business. Yep. And we dealt with law firms, and they always say, "Yeah, you're the fifth SEO company I've hired this year." <laughs> like, right? Yeah, and you're going to hire ten more because you, you, until you take the time to understand why yeah. you're doing things and how yeah. to measure the success, you're always going to be failing. There's another important point I want to make about the outsourcing, and that is, yeah. I'm a big believer before you outsource tasks, even to get clear on how the task works and do it yourself first because when you do outsource it then you understand what to expect and you don't end up getting either ripped off or end up getting substandard work so and i'm not talking about building websites and learning to code here i'm just talking about something like if you're doing say hiring a podcast editor i know how to edit podcasts i know how long it takes to edit a podcast so i'll do it first myself i'll even create a procedures document on how i want it done and then i'll outsource it yeah, like James always says, um, I do it, we do it, you do it. Like he'll exactly. do a task, yeah, spot on. do it with you, and then you do it. And that, and that also avoids holes in your team and, and allows for redundancy in your system. So then the you know your teammates can train other members. So that's that's huge. Like owning the operations, including the marketing, that's number one. Um, another mistake would be overcomplicating things to the point where they don't launch. So it's better to have. You know, what's the George C. Patton quote? Uh, average plan fiercely executed today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow, yep. or something like that. Yep. I think I just chopped it up, but like that. <laughs> that's cool. I get the but gist it's, of it. It's it's true. Like what people are doing is they're cons- because they're consuming all this technical information. They're saying, "Well, I need to do a funnel that has a, a triple upsell, downsell, tripwire, this and that. <laughs> you know, reverse back to the beginning. You know, <laughs> cycling. You know, and then they come yeah. up with all these terms that have really been around for hundreds of years, but they're saying the same thing over, like behave- dynamic behavioral conditioning. Like you know, when when really all that time they don't have something live, they're losing money. Yeah. Like what's the opportunity cost? So what I tell people that are like coaches, consultants, marketers, let's try to launch a funnel today. Mm. And I bet you you'll have an ROI. And then, but more importantly, we can iterate. You know, this is like lean methodology. Your success is is, ba- is measured on the number of build, measure, learn cycles. Mm-hmm. How many times have you built something, measured the results and pivoted, you know, and learned and pivoted, right? So what yeah. we do is we wait six months to build this cool, like machine-based marketing system. And then we launch it to the world and it doesn't work. <laughs> because it doesn't solve a problem. <laughs> Yeah. So, or because because it's so technically, you know, the law Murphy's law comes into place, and the law of moving parts is like, you know, what can break will. So it's right. it's too complicated for them to manage. So instead of that, so that's that's the problem is that they're overcomplicating things and mm-hmm. they're waiting to and and searching for the perfect instead of for the now. Again, to solve that problem, I just say, how about this? Let's look at your customer's journey, give them one kind of toolkit or cheat sheet that solves a problem introduce yourself and offer to help them get clear on a, on a phone call. Even if your normal business doesn't have a sales model, like you said, talk to as many customers in the beginning as you can. Mm-hmm. So I can, you know, you can get a funnel live and if you had to in 20 minutes, I mean, you could literally take two friends, interview each other like this on Skype or on mm-hmm. YouTube and I can ask you some questions and that could be my lead magnet. Let me mm-hmm. give you the top three tri- you know, tricks to doubling your investments or whatever, right? So Always search for implementation over complication. I like that. Search for implementation over complication. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, another struggle people have is, um, besides overcomplicating, is just not getting, um, is giving up. So the, I've, I've had a lot of people, and you always see this enter like higher end masterminds. It would enter my higher end mastermind. They would launch something that might kind of either break even or produce a smaller ROI. Like, oh, this stuff's just too complicated. And I know that. That's a beautiful thing that it's a little bit difficult because it's not easy. It's simple, but not easy. Right. Another great subtle point. Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Yeah. If you have to want, like, how badly do you want it? That's the bottom line. It's yep. the coach coming on me a little bit, but I ask people all the time, like, you, like you don't have a marketing, an automated marketing system live that could change your life, but you can tell me every episode of Breaking Bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know, you know, I, I had to, I had to come home, you know, at 7 p.m. and work till one in the morning for a year to get enough clients to quit my job. Yeah. Gosh, and now that I look back, I'm like, there's so many times I almost quit, and I'm, I'm glad I didn't. Mm-hmm. So just seeing it through seeing it through, not getting discouraged. 
Okay, that's another big one. So a couple of really great takeaways that I got from that. This is a very common thing in management speak as well. I worked in the corporate world for 15 years and we always said, I worked in strategy and they always said, an average plan well executed is far more effective than a great plan poorly executed. I think yep. that's that's where a lot of people I've noticed trip up as well. And I've done the same thing, which is spend hours and hours and days and days and months and months making this perfect plan and then you know, not spending enough time on the execution. In fact, by the time you've made this perfect plan, especially in the online world, the world has moved on and your plan is probably irrelevant. So my advice to the listeners would be spend maybe 10, maybe maximum 15% on planning and about not 85 to 90% on execution in terms of, you know, time. I'm not saying just rush through it. I'm saying that should be the ratio of amount of time and effort you put into a, a uh, execution versus planning. Yeah, I mean, imagine imagine this. No matter what niche somebody was in, talk about execution. Imagine if you just interviewed 20 people yeah. and asked them one question. This is uh, you know like the ask deep dive survey, but you just take one question and say, what's your biggest struggle now with this? And you look at the answers and then you go and interview an expert on how to solve that one struggle. Yeah. And then you give that as a lead magnet to people on Facebook. How one accountant tripled their leads. How one accountant overcame low profit margins. Blah, boom. It's like this is literally two and three steps. And we either don't think it's going to work. We're not willing to do the work. Or we're trying to, we believe we have to have some kind of complex system to play the game. And it's not that way. One other tip on that is I think it's really important is to keep a swipe file. What I always tell my students to do is just, you know, use Evernote, I'm sure. Right, Ash? Use yep. Evernote? Yep. If I see something... Because it's related to what I'm learning, so information diet. If I'm going to launch a new funnel for my book, or I'm going to try to promote an ebook, I'm going to take all the ads I see on Facebook for ebooks from the experts that are making a ton of money. I'm going to do a sketch screenshot of the Facebook ad, and I'm going to drop that in Evernote. And then under that, I'm going to look at the opt-in page. I'm going to drop that in there. And I'm going to look at the thank you page. And then when I get an email, I'm going to you know sketch that, pop that in there. And next thing you know, I have a library of the top sales funnels in the world for every type of product. And when, guess what I'm going to do when it's time to build my book? I'm going to replicate right. the concepts, not the copy, but the concepts. Mm. And you're, you'll probably get similar results. You'll probably get damn near similar results. And you can shortcut 90% of the time trying to figure out what the heck it should look like. That's exactly what my friend Kyle Tully does. I interviewed him recently on the show. And by the way, for the listeners, I've actually interviewed Taki Moore in a previous episode on this podcast. And I've interviewed Ryan Levesque on the Ask Formula, where he explained it really nicely, actually, the six steps. So that's definitely worth having a listen to as well. Okay, so th there's some really great points you brought up around execution around not giving up. Let's now move into the action section. Now, there's already quite a few actions that are obvious from our conversation. One is, you know, keep things simple. Simple, by the way, doesn't mean easy. I can't stress that enough. But that doesn't mean you complicate things either, because if you complicate things, it becomes doubly difficult. So keep things simple, yeah. um, but persist with your strategy. Get clear on what your audience is trying to solve or your customers trying to solve and help them solve that problem with your lead magnet. You don't have to solve the whole problem, just solve part of the problem. Don't assume that your website is a be-all and end-all. It's a means to a solution. It's a way of delivering a solution. It is not the end in itself. Um, learn to measure, uh, the build, measure, and learn cycles. I really like what you said about that. So the more build, measure, and learn cycles you can have, the more success, successful you're likely to be. So don't get all hung up about creating the perfect plan, but rather just iterate, iterate, iterate. And another thing I'd like to say is learn from your mistakes, but learn from other people's mistakes as well. Because, you know, in this whole Silicon Valley thing, everyone's obsessed with the whole fail fast thing. And yeah, sure, fail fast, but that doesn't mean you just go and fail for the sake of failing. Try and learn from other people's failures as well <laughs> and yeah. leverage off that. Any other action points that you would like to suggest? No, in terms of actions, it's just, um, it's funny because the biggest, the biggest actionable term is action itself. What I mean by that is mm -hmm. I struggled for so long procrastinating for subconscious reasons. Now, not to be um, emotional here, but I'm going to cry, but um, I literally found myself not doing things like accepting speaking engagements right. or um, launching webinars or putting myself out there or sales calls because of that imposter syndrome. It's important to know that we all get nervous. We all doubt that we all ask ourselves, why the heck is someone going to listen to me? Um, and, it, and it's finally, I just got enough 
enough uh, kind of frustrated with myself. I said, I refuse to be anything but the best. I refuse to doubt myself, right? And uh-huh. it's like, if you know, if if one thing you're passionate about, if you know 10% more than your friend, then they yeah. need your advice. Yes. Like somebody needs, someone needs your advice and your expertise. And until you have something for sale in a shopping cart, so it's as good as doing nothing. And I hate to sound brutal, but yeah. building 99% of a funnel is the same as zero until the shopping cart's live. Right. Absolutely. So it's, I'd rather have people do just the ugliest lead magnet in the world and maybe get a couple of customers and then learn as they go than wait until they're finished with their lead magnet course. By the way, I'll give you, um, you can post the video, the lead magnet video. I'll let you, you can just post that if you'd like. Sure. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, I'll definitely include that in the links to the show notes as I will all the other links that we've discussed. Now, there's something I also want to say about this imposter syndrome. Man, that is so difficult because I struggled with it too. And you know what? I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it now. I'm going to put it out there. I have made a commitment to do three public speaking appointments this year because I was so, I too am so intimidated by the idea of public speaking. And it's uncanny because the day after I made that commitment, I was approached by somebody to do a speaking event it's just a small event to about you know 40 or 50 people but it's a start and man it is so difficult to get over the imposter syndrome i have struggled with that for years and listening to you talk about it is very good because it helps me to question my lack of self-belief and we all have it most people a lot of people won't admit it but everyone has it and action is the best way through. Just if there's something you're scared about doing, if there's something you're procrastinating, just make a commitment to do it. Another thing is I'm a big practitioner or believer in mindfulness. So becoming aware of your fears and how it manifests in your body and becoming aware yep. of the physical sensations is a good way to deal with the anxiety and then help it dissipate. But Coming back to the point, I think it all comes down to action and just saying, okay, you know what? I'm scared. I'm uncomfortable about doing this public speaking or whatever it is you're scared of, but I'm going to make a choice in this moment to go ahead and commit to doing it anyway. Yeah, this guy, and I I just want to put an exclamation point in that because it's such an important part that people don't talk about, right? Is the human side, the, the psyche, the actual fears, doubts. It's the loneliest job in the world to try to put yourself out there as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And... In the beginning, you get no traction. Yes. You, you publish a blog post and no one reads it. And you make a, com- a tweet and you're like, hey, I can answer any of your business questions right now. And nobody has any. And you're and everything you do for almost the first year, you're getting nothing but negative feedback. It's like having a baby, right? Yeah. The first while, you just give, give, give. Yeah. And you start to doubt yourself. I, you know, my first, I did everything wrong is not true. My first speaking gig was in front of 350 people. Wow. And, um, I just didn't even know to be afraid until I was about to go on stage and I got really, really afraid. And then then I just remembered one of my jujitsu mentors said that, like you said, the mindfulness is, he says, I just think of that as my body getting ready to perform. Yep. At its best. And, 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 and you can turn that into excitement and that's what I do. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's so important. I had a, uh, a strategy session when I first started this thing. A guy named Jamie McKean, who's a New Zealander, you might know. Um, I think he's in James' group and, and maybe Takis. But he just basically slapped me around in a really good way. He said, you have this experience for all these, these Silicon Valley startups and all the sales experience and marketing experience. I, for, I forbid you to charge less than this amount. I said, nobody will ever pay me, you know. <laughs> You know, what, you know, and anywhere near that. And then all of a sudden you get one and then two and then 10. And then and you're like, man, just take whatever you think your goal is and triple it right now. It's probably the yeah. best thing to do. Yeah. And because, gosh, man, if you, the one thing you can never recover in your life is time. Right. It's no one, no one ever looks back and says, yeah, I wish I wouldn't have done taking so many risks. They always regret the things they didn't do. So not to um, be a motivational speaker here, but that's really important. I think, no, too. it is totally. I mean, James yeah. Tramco and I have had so many conversations about this where he keeps telling me, you know, you've got to charge more. And I'm like, but I'm not, don't feel comfortable doing it yet. And he's like, it doesn't matter. You have 15 years of experience in the corporate world. You've spent three years immersed in online marketing. You have a lot to share. So it's, I think it's very easy for a lot of us. It certainly is for me to just, it's the easier path, isn't it? To just say, oh no, it's too difficult to challenge my beliefs and my beliefs about myself and what my value is out there. It's too easy to just say in the absence of any other feedback, I'm not worth 500 bucks an hour or a thousand bucks an hour, whatever it is you want to charge. 
you know, I'm only going to charge 50 bucks an hour or something, you know, really safe because it means that you have less responsibility as well. You don't have to deliver as much value. So, And you get horrible clients because of that. <laughs> right. You, know, you, get, you get clients that cancel and they're high maintenance. You know, let me, let me just, we'll end the, um, I, I know we're going deep on the whole like psychology of it, but let me just say this. this sure. Here's my advice. Take yourself out of it completely and focus on the numbers. Okay. So if what you do produces a measurable ROI, again, which it should or you shouldn't be in business, if you can't go to your customer and say, where are you now? Where do you want to be in a year? Yep. What is the cost of not being there per month? What's that opportunity cost? So if we do these changes, here's what we calculate to be ROI, right? Yep. So if you know your customer can get a 10x ROI and you're charging them two grand per month or whatever, um, it's not, not about your confidence at all anymore. It's about mm-hmm. the numbers. like. Like, if I feel like with certainty I can get you a 10x ROI, yep. then I might want to charge you 10 grand, you know, oh. because it, I know it's going to take that much work and I know the upside's there for you. Yep. So it's like just remove yourself altogether from it. That's a great point. Absolutely. Think about the value, the value based selling. What value are you bringing to the table? And uh, create your fees based on that. Okay, let's talk about some books that have had the biggest impact on you and how listeners can find out more about you. Oh, good question. Um, I think this is a theme that I've realized the hard way from being a musician and a martial artist and a fan of all these kind of philosophical endeavors, right? With long histories, I realized that the the old stuff is usually the best stuff. The books I like are books like um, My Life in Advertising, right? Uh-huh. Um, Claude Hopkins. And I think the even the recent, more recent one, the Adweek Copywriting Handbook uh, by Joe Sugarman. Have you, have you read that? Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. It is... I think it's deceptively cheap looking because it just looks like an Adweek like bonus book or something. Okay. And it's published by Adweek, but it is the best copywriting crash course I've ever read. Cool. I'll and, check it uh, out. And Joe Sugarman obviously is a just a total copy badass. But um yeah. and then there's weird things like um that have nothing to do with, with business, like Catcher in the Rye because of it. Uh-huh. It talks about the human story and the struggle and, and getting in touch with the story or I read in my kids. See, the problem with an entrepreneur is you see everything through the lens of, of business opportunity. So I was, I was yes. reading Green Eggs and Ham with my daughter, a four-year-old daughter, a little two-year-old son, and I was like, man, this guy is persistent. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the business lesson, I was like, do you want to try it here? Do you want to train? I'm not saying you should hammer your clients over the head, but I was, maybe this is totally nerdy again, but I was reading Green Eggs and Ham thinking about the importance of frequency and and consistency so he was like okay i'll try it oh it's delicious huh. so if you believe in what you're selling you should scream it from the mountaintops you should sell the heck out of your stuff you know if you had a cure for cancer you know if this if, if i if this you know if these pills cured cancer yeah i would do whatever it took to get my family to take them yeah even if it meant like just you know like pouring it down their throat and apologizing later. I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> it's like the closer you are to delivering something that truly transforms people, I think the more salesier marketing you get, mm-hmm. and I think that's a good thing because you're an evangelist for your own deliverables. So um, there have been a lot of more recent books to go to the other end of the spectrum. So all those classics that people probably talk about obviously influence Robert Cialdini is just yep. it's a fascinating book. It there's no context of marketing where those psychological triggers shouldn't come to play. Uh-huh. Um, although I hate how a lot of the online marketers say things like, don't use these powerful tricks for evil, you know, because they're <laughs> too powerful. And you know what I mean? Like anything in the wrong hands can, you know, can be leveraged yeah. the wrong way. But then you go to the recent stuff that's really impressed me. I think um, Ask has been one of the most, um, there's so many marketing books that come out. And yep. Whenever someone has one unique way to 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 solve a problem, to look at a situation like uh, like Ryan Levesque did, I think that's a great book. A recent huh. time, um, Jeff Walker's book that came out um, launched this year, launched, last yeah. year. One book I liked, um, an old book, was uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I found that very useful. It's a classic. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. There's just so many. I think the lesson there is is the same. It's like. Um, again, it's the coach of me, but I meet so many struggling business owners uh-huh. and I'm like, man, any problem you want to solve is like $7 away, yeah. but people don't do it. It's like, you know, you know, the best way to give yourself a 10 X pay raise is go read 10 books. Like, 
Yeah. You can learn anything you want to learn that actually makes you money. That's what's so cool about this marketing space is you read a book and you make a lot more money from reading that book. Yeah. You know, we're, but people just don't want to do it. So it's like, again, learning on demand, a problem you're trying to solve. But, um, God, it's so incredible the time we live in how I can just YouTube and book and just I can mm-hmm. solve anything I want to, right, if you're just resourceful. I think Tony Robbins said, nobody lacks resources, only resourcefulness. I think it's true. Hmm, great point. Yes, I like that. So how do listeners get in touch with you, Aaron? So my home address, yeah, coming to my home <laughs> is best. Um, that would be that would be the best. Yeah. I had a, I had a student uh, drop off some holiday flowers the other day, and they caught us off guard. I was like, yeah, maybe we should get a PO box here. No, I'm just kidding. Thanks, Dave. Just joking, Dave. Love the flowers. No, but um, um, just FletcherMethod.com. You know, there's there's a free workshop that walks through what we talked about today. It's just a four part free workshop that just talks about how to get clear on your strategy and how to go on an information diet and you know the things they need to do. Um, but other than that, just, you know, Facebook or on the web, any links you want to put would be great. Okay, cool. Well, I'll definitely put the FletcherMethod.com into the show notes, but you can actually head over to FletcherMethod.com. That is F-L-E-T-C-H-E-R method.com. And you will meet my friend Aaron Fletcher. So uh, thank you very much for listening. And thanks for being on the show, Aaron. It was fantastic having you. No, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Ash. Hopefully this will provide some value to your listeners and hopefully meet you in person someday. Yeah, I look forward to that. Okay, so some fantastic insights there from Aaron Fletcher. If there was only one thing I could take away from this episode, it would be to spend no more than 15% of your time on planning and 85% of your time on execution. Okay, now for the podcasts that were mentioned in the episode. Episode 9, Blind Man Driving with Kevin Rogers, where we talk about copywriting. Episode number 26 with Ryan Levesque, where we talked about the survey funnel formula. And Ryan Levesque breaks it down really well into his six steps. So that's definitely worth listening to. Episode number two and episode number 50 with James Schramko. They're both excellent episodes. James came up a lot in the conversation. So I definitely recommend having a listen to both of those. We talked about the podcast episode with Kyle Tully. That's episode number 52 on how to 10x your prices. And then episode number 61 is the second episode where I interviewed Kevin Rogers and we talked about why attention is a new currency. So there you go, a whole bunch of valuable related episodes for you to listen to. Now don't forget, if you want to set up a podcast just like mine, you can head over to ProductiveInsights.com forward slash podcast setup and book in a free consulting session with me to find out whether your business is a good candidate for a podcast and how to use a podcast to significantly increase your inbound leads and your authority in your market. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?